Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll is put together by sports experts from around the country. While some voters see one or two games a week, our voters see games live on TV, and really understand college basketball. It's time to release the Rockin' 25 on the Rockin' pregame. All right, it is our college basketball rocketologist uh, from the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We're joined by bracketologist, analyst, and owner of the uh, Big Underdog website, Jason Carmelo, and owner of Haslametrics.com, Eric Haslam, and uh Jason, which uh, teams are peaking a little too early for your taste? Jeff, this might be a little of a surprise, but I'm going to go with Baylor. So Baylor's got a couple trends that are a little bit concerning. The first one is this. They're second in the nation in three-point shooting at 41%. That's probably not going to hold throughout the year. Now, their profile looks good on paper. Like, if they got four quad one wins, that sounds really good. But some of those are a little bit wobbly at the t- right now. So, so BYU is six in the net. They're going to end up that possibly potentially a quad – a quad two win Auburn still has zero quad one wins. And the thing with Baylor is defensively they're running at 80th best in the country. Now uh, the last 88 final four teams, only six have had an offense or a defensive efficiency above 50. So that means it's very rare for a team with a, with a deficient on one side of the ball and Baylor is defensively to make a final four run. So I think right now, they're holding it a four or five seed, but that could easily slide over time. Yeah, let me jump in here. I, I would probably say that I, for me, I think it's I, we've talked about them so much over the last few weeks that BYU is still going to be that team that probably uh, peaks a little bit too soon. The reason for it is because they blew up their efficiency margins early on. If you look at my site with the game efficiency rating that measures their performances versus their season norm, their first eight games were above the norm. 11 of 13 to start the season were above the norm. The reason why they didn't really play any significant opposition once they got into Big 12 play, all of a sudden, it was a little bit problematic for BYU. They're holding their own to a certain degree. I think they're three and four in conference right now. But that was a team that I've kind of said all along was, I think they were probably playing up to the maximum of their potential early on in the season. And now you're seeing some of these other teams that probably weren't that are going to get their act together and pass by BYU. So while BYU is still the analytic darling out there, I think they're probably playing closer to their ceiling than anybody else was, and that probably does not bode well for them in the long run. Let's release the top 10 of the Rockin' 25, starting with uh, the top five, not moving at all. Purdue remains number one. UConn, Houston, and North Carolina, two, three, and four. Tennessee, who ticked off the NCAA, is five. (laughs) Eric, the longer the season goes on, the more your analytics get a feeling for these teams. Who are the teams you feel could crash the top five soon? That's a tough one. Uh, You know, those top four or five teams have separated themselves from the pack a little bit, at least for the time being. Arizona, to me, is the obvious one because they're 
still rather highly regarded by both the pollsters and the analytics sites. That's a team that on my site is fourth in all play percentage. They're 10th in offensive efficiency, sixth in defensive efficiency. They have that fingerprint of a potential national champion that you want of a top 10 offense and a top 35 defense. And I think people are kind of quick to forget about them right now because they're not playing their best basketball at the moment. Um, right now at my site, I have a momentum metric out there that measures the rolling performance over the last four to eight games. They're 359th out of 362. They failed to play up to their season norm in four of their last five contests. Now, they did snap out of it with a win at Oregon on Saturday. So that maybe that's a, a harbinger of things to come. And then the other thing about Arizona is everybody has a tough run of things. Even the great teams. Look, you know, how soon do we forget about UConn last year that went two and six from very late December into late January? So every great team even stumbles a little bit. That UConn team ran through the tournament like a hot knife through butter. Arizona could get their act together and be very dangerous as well. Another team I'll throw out there is Auburn. It's easy to criticize Auburn. We've done it before because they've not faced a ton of great teams. And when they have played good teams, they failed. They got the loss at Alabama, the loss at Mississippi State. They're 0-4 in quad one. That being said, they're still analytical darlings because of their efficiency margins from the entire body of work of the season. They're third in all-play percentage at my site, 13th on offense, third on defense. You know, it's a little bit bizarre, the, the, the hybrid between such a high ranking and the poor quadrant one record, but here we are. You know, for Auburn, in order to break through, they need to capitalize on opportunities to defeat elite opponents, and they will have those chances to do that. Out of their 10 remaining games, six of them are against teams in my top 60. Nine of them are against teams in my top 75. If the Tigers take out a vast majority of foes on that remaining schedule, they will quickly climb, and they'll be knocking in the door of that top five club. Trust me, not saying that they're going to beat most of those teams and crash the top five, but the opportunity is certainly present. Six through 10 of the Rockin' 25 has Wisconsin up three spots to sixth, Marquette up five spots to seventh, Kansas maintaining at eighth, while Iowa State jumps eight places to ninth, and Duke at 10th. Which of these teams passes the eye test, Jason? I would take Kansas on this one. So Kansas is playing, they're almost the equivalent right now of the Kansas City Chiefs in football. The Chiefs, at times throughout the year, a veteran team has been through it, and that's the way Kansas has been, right? In some ways, they're going through the motions, especially lately defensively. But the reality is this. They are going to gobble up quad one wins because they never lose at home. They're going to get some road wins as time goes on. And then we're going to look at them and say, they're second or third in the nation in quad one wins, so they're going to be right on the cusp potentially of a one seed. They've already banked wins against Connecticut and Tennessee on a neutral court. And Dwan Harris, so far – this year has actually underperformed. He typically runs at a three-to-one assist to turnover rate. He's going about two-to-one now. He's probably going to improve. They're getting some help from Furphy as the fifth-best player in the team, and they're so experienced that over time that's going to come through. And everybody complains about their depth, right? They only have four or five players. The reality is this. In the NCAA tournament, the timeouts are longer, and depth is overrated. You don't need eight players anymore to win the NCAA tournament. Six or seven players is, is just fine. All right, exclusive to the Rockin' pregame. It is the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our Rockatologists Jason Carmelo and Eric Haslam. So we'll continue our examination uh, with the Big 12. This week, national media criticized Big 12 teams for their soft non-con schedules. 
What are your thoughts on it? You know, I, I just kind of laugh about it. I mean, we talked about this a month ago, specifically those three teams, BYU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma, that really rose into my top 15. And they kind of did it on the shoulders of a light schedule. You know, what are you going to do? A couple of different things I talk about here. People talk out of both sides of their mouth about the NCAA. Every five seconds, they're like, oh, the NCAA's got to get their hands off this, get their hands out of this cookie jar. And then the moment like something like this happens and you're allowing everybody to schedule their own teams, everybody wants to get the NCAA involved to, to kind of govern it. So it's kind of like, for me, I kind of laugh at it and go, people just can't make up their minds. They're fickle. They don't really know what they want. On top of that, you know, if, if they're gaming the system, I say good for you. I mean, people did it with the RPI years ago. They would do it with the net today. If they knew the formula, I think they probably have an idea what the what goes into the formula. So they're probably gaming the net already. So why would you not want to do that? I don't I don't know of any team that would go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to do the honorable thing. Like if I'm Jerome Tang at Kansas State, who's probably looking at a team that's on the bottom half of the Big 12, say, I'm just going to load up a ton of great teams so I can start with a losing record and then go into Big 12 play and have a, another losing record so I have no chance at the NCAA tournament. Why would you do that? The, the old saying goes, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Well, this is not cheating, but if you're not gaming the system, you're not trying. That's the smart play to make. So these, these teams know what they're doing. This is the way it is. If you want to govern it, fine. But then I think that people shouldn't talk out of both sides of their mouth. Let the NCAA do their job or not do their job, but you can't have it both ways. You know, I always look at it from a bracket standpoint, and, and the reality is this. You only are going to make the tournament if you have 14 losses or less, right? That's it. If you know heading into the season that you may not be a top three team in the Big 12, then 10 or 11 losses is very likely. So there's 10, right? And then you know you're going to get beat in the Big 12 tournament. That's 11. So if you schedule hard and you lose anything more than one or two in the non-conference, then you can't make the NCAA tournament. So to your point, scheduling tough gives you really no shot to make it. And the reality is this, TCU had a non-conference strength of schedule of 343, right? It is already an overall strength of schedule of 53. That's how tough the Big 12 is. Mm. They will get their games made up, and they'll get the strength of schedule overall by the end of the year. Seven teams from the current Big 12 are currently in the Rockin' 25. Arizona, Arizona joins next year. How has conference realignment helped the Big 12, especially in basketball, Eric? Well, really all it is is kind of keeping up with the Joneses, frankly. I mean, the major conferences have become an arms race for money. And the last thing you really want to do is do nothing and then drown, you know, see the Pac-12, for example. You need to stay afloat in these changing times. And personally, I hate realignment because so little of it makes sense geographically. I'm old school. It's just downright stupid, in my opinion. You want to break things down by region. It just makes more sense. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, an old, I'm getting old here. I'm knocking on the door of 50. It's the way of the world. These conferences are going to chase the almighty dollar as long as it floats. Um, now, that being said... You know, looking at what the Big 12 has done, bringing Houston and BYU in looks very good, especially this year from a basketball perspective. Nothing is lost versus the previous seasons. The Big 12 is still strong. Um, and then you're looking at next year. Next year, out goes Oklahoma, out goes Texas, and you reload with the likes of Arizona and Utah and Colorado. And that's arguably a step up basketball-wise, especially with Arizona coming into the mix. So, again, Big 12, staying afloat, keeping up with the Joneses. That's what you have to do to survive. I may not like it. 
And there's many out, many other people out there I know that are probably in my age group that probably don't like it. But the Big 12 is doing what they have to to, the, to survive, and they are succeeding, no question about it. Jason, as you start putting together your bracket for the bracket matrix, which Big, tw- big 12 teams not getting top four seeds could be the most dangerous to face in, in March? You're going to love this one, but you know, quite honestly, Texas Tech. They're starting to gel under their new coach. Their efficiencies have increased, especially the last five or six weeks. They've gotten a lot better. They're starting to guard a lot better def- defensively. And, and they've already started to bank a couple nice away wins. So they've got a win at Oklahoma. They've got a win at Texas. The committee is going to look at that. They're, they're getting better. They're, they're an outstanding offensive team. But, again, it's all about their starting to guard. And, you know, they've been on the periphery, started with the bubble, right, and they lost to Butler early, started on the, on the bubble, and they've gradually worked their way in. I think too many people now are looking at them at this kind of, you know, eight, nine, ten seed range. The reality is this. They are near that top four, top five seed. They got five wins already in the Big 12. And if you get to that 12-win total in the Big 12, you're going to get in that three, four, five seed range. They, they got a pretty high ceiling as long as they continue to get better defensively. Yeah, and as your own uh, Sean Dillon reminded me earlier this week, this was a team that I had losing the last four games. They've split those games. They've beat BYU. They've beat Oklahoma. I think they've got six of their last nine games. They've performed above the norm. So Texas Tech was a team that I did not see coming, coming into the season. I think I had them in the preseason baselines right around 50 in my rankings. They are knocking on the door of the top 25 right now. I honestly am a little bit surprised by that, pleasantly surprised by that, because Texas Tech has definitely overperformed versus my expectations. It's the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologists Eric Haslam and Jason Carmelo. Which Big 12 game is the one to watch out for in the next week? Monday night, Sunflower Showdown. Um, You know, Kansas very likely will be coming off of a huge win against Houston, right? They get get Houston and Allen Fieldhouse over the weekend. But I'm really interested to see how Jerome Tang – and K-State handles that one. They are right on the cut line right now. And their season, the, the reality is whether they make the tournament or not could very well come down to whether they beat Kansas at home. I think it's a big uh, big game for Kansas. They could be could be four losses in a row if they somehow lose to at, at Oklahoma State on Saturday. Kansas State needs to get something going after Oklahoma State. They got a tough schedule. They got Kansas at BYU, Texas Christian at Texas. And then they play BYU again, all top 40 teams. Kansas, we talked about, I've, you know, Jason touched on this. I've criticized them in past weeks about being too lackadaisical far too often this year. They need to start bringing their A game if they want to be on that one line or considered for that one line come March. As far as the schedule goes, it's very tough, a very tough road ahead of the Jayhawks. They do have Kansas State twice. That's number 89 in my rankings. The other eight games before the Big 12 tournament are all teams in my top 40, not just like top 75, top 40. So a really, really tough stretch for Kansas coming up here. They will have an opportunity to prove themselves as a potential one seed. I just need to see them start playing consistent, elite winning basketball from one game to the next. And honestly, I really have not, I have not seen that from Kansas yet. Where can people find your work? You can find my work on big-underdog.com and at bigunderdogblog on X. And people can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my bracketology, and my projections over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, if you guys are looking for me out on Twitter slash X, I'm out there going hashtag analytically final at, at Haslametrics. 
All right, our thanks to uh, Rockin' 25 voters Jason Carmelo and Eric Haslam for breaking down the analytics in the teams. The entire Rockin' 25 college basketball poll is always available at rock101lubbock.com. Happy Groundhog Day, guys. Hopefully Jeff didn't see his shadow. Thanks so much, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't see my shadow. I stayed indoors all morning. So yeah, I don't know what that means. 